for trainers, collectives, and individuals that were looking for a program to follow that was chud free or perhaps one that came directly from us, there is Liberation Martial Arts Online. Thanks to Danielle Gajikian, EB, Roel Alejandro Perez Candanoza, and Michael Kim for signing up. You can sign up for Liberation Martial Arts Online on Patreon and Substack. This will also give you access to uncut versions of our shows without any breaks or interruptions. Plus, early access to our bonus shows, Fighter's Brew, which is a recap show of the manga All-Rounder Meguru, and SDS9, which recaps Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This is Sam. This is Jason. And this is Fight Study. This episode was sponsored by SH, Alejandro, Ronde J, Berkshire People's Gem, and New Guy. Become a sponsor and not only get a mention on every episode, but also a monthly training session with me. Sign up on Patreon. Coach Jason and I are back to discuss UFC 290. Now the UFC has been trying to expand more and more globally as more of this revenue keeps coming from overseas markets. But the U.S. shows are now just MAGA rallies with MMA fights. I mean, they are. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, <laughs> Now, UFC is a great example of how capitalism ties all elites together. Because despite being so right-wing, it's broadcasted and protected by Disney and run by Ari Emanuel, who's not only connected to Trump, but also Obama and the Clintons. It also tries to brand itself as diverse and inclusive, but it does it the same way the U.S. military does it, which is also a sponsor of the UFC. Even the quote-unquote good guys in the UFC are actually bad guys because nearly all of them are Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, and Jordan Peterson fans. We try to frame fighters as being the Trump guy and whoever they're fighting as the anti-Trump guy But if you actually know about the UFC, nearly all of the UFC fighters are Trumpsters, other than maybe Angela Hill, Virna Janjiroba, and Kevin Lee. Like when Kamaru Usman was fighting Colby Covington, Usman was also posing with Trump swag. And when Covington had beef with Masvidal, for some reason, people assumed that must mean Masvidal was left wing when he was the most right wing of all. It's not a binary. It's all dirty shirts with some shirts being dirtier than others. The only decent person seemed like Francis Ngannou, and it only makes sense a decent person would then want to part from the UFC. But to quote you, Jason, I digress. Let's talk about the fight. That's probably best. (laughs) First, there was the featherweight title unification bout between Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. And we've talked about this before where we said Volk is just so good, but also it's really difficult to watch his featherweight fights because it is so one-sided and brutal. And this fight was no exception with him finishing the ultra-durable Yair Rodriguez in the third round. Jason, can you talk us through how Volkanovsky won this fight? I can. And I think we can, dis- we can distill this fight down to the fact that, that Volkanovsky is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Yes. Right? I, I think that that is a fact. 
Um, and if you have any other understanding of what pound for pound means, he can jump up and fight probably the pound for pound best 155er in the world and give him a, a pretty close run for his money. Right? So one, Volk is, in my opinion, pound for pound best fighter in the world. And we can add in some other true gifts that, that really set him apart. He's amazingly well-rounded. Um, he's so fucking strong for 145. That is absolutely silly. Um, and I mean, his fight IQ is fucking genius level. He gets quicker and his conditioning seems to improve as he gets older, you know? And then in this fight, he was so dialed in on how he's kicked, no matter what angle or weird trajectory they came from, you know, um, he was able to use those reflexes and quickness through the, that I just referred to, uh, to either take down or catch counter. Um, yeah, you Rodriguez seemingly with ease, you know, and, What's become the trademark of uh, Volk's fights um, at this point is Volkanowski being masterfully prepared for and sometimes ready to match his opponent's strengths. You know, whether it's Max's volume and conditioning or Yair's athleticism and diversity and creativity of strikes. And with diversity, you know, uh, let me qualify that a little bit. I'm more so referring to the way both fighters use their tools. You know, Yair has some of the most unique and pretty kicks in the game. Um, and we can talk about, you know, poor Korean zombie and that elbow from here all day. But, you know, this is about, this is about Wolk um, and his decision to counter a kick with a right hook and follow up with straight punches from a shifting stance. And then when in close range, hit a knee to the head from against the cage and then a, a right hand to the body then a right uppercut to straighten him up and a beautiful double leg and route to a finish that made a vastly improved and like you said, durable and always game Yair Rodriguez look pretty fucking pedestrian. And when you can do that to an improving fighter, a younger man and an, a, a fighter who's put together a pretty good streak of his own, you're the best fighter on the fucking planet. It's almost unfair to have him fight other featherweights. But, Jason, did Rodriguez have any moments? Yeah, he did. And if Yair was facing any other fighter not seemingly born with the fucking UFC cheat codes, you know, some of those kicks I think would have landed. And the ones that did land would have been just flush enough to change some things pretty quickly. But again, you're fighting you're fighting Volkanovski, and I always watch it wondering if he is going to be as sharp as the time before. Because so when you watch a great television show or you're in, like, and you're in season three in the series, you know season three is going to be pretty shitty because most of the great stuff came in season one and season two. It isn't this way with Volkanovski. He's in season three, season four, and the hits just keep fucking coming. Being, like I said earlier, being masterfully pre prepared, and that's difficult to do unless you have next level motivation. You know, when Rocky movies are made about losing that motivation once you get to the top, every fighter cliche brings that shit up. But this motherfucker gets better and better the more time he spends at the top of this game. So was this one of those fights where you're damned if you do and damned if you don't? He got to the dance because of his kicks, but his kicks is why Volk could take him down? <laughs> exactly. Well, think of it this way, right? It'd be crazy for Rodriguez to fight Volkanovski without kicks, right? Obviously, they are the best tool that Yair possesses. So to your point, you're, you're damned because you're doing what you do as well you should. You should do what you do, especially if you're exceptional at it. And kicks can be devastating. Um, but when Volkanovski knows what you do, you're not damned, you're fucked. 
right? It's just the way it is. He's too well-rounded. He's too intelligent. He's too physically gifted. And like I said before, he's too motivated. So yes, without a doubt, they're all pretty screwed at this point, no matter who's coming for him at 145. Well, now it looks like your boy is coming for him next. If I may digress once again, <laughs> and that's a fight that I can't wait to see. Um, because you, you make that fight when Volkanovski is great. And he's great. He's still great right now. I don't want to see it ever happen whenever he's like two years from now, three years from now, because eight, eight, father time, the way it's for no man, right? He's going to catch. I want to see that fight when Volkanovski is at his prime. And he, he might be one of the, he and like a prime Demetrius Johnson might be some of the best MMA, probably two of the best of MMA fighters we've ever seen. And is to see where a 20, what is it, 25 year old Tapuria stacks up against the best of the best in his prime would be outstanding for me to, to say, I caught that shit too. <laughs> now let's talk about the trilogy fight between Brandon Moreno versus Alessandre Pantoja. Moreno keeps fighting these trilogy fights, but against Pantoja, he's now 0 3 with Pantoja winning a split decision, though many are arguing it was a clear Pantoja victory. After watching this fight, I began saying Pantoja has the best, worst cardio. And what I mean by that is he gassed out in four minutes, but the dude not only kept fighting the rest of the fight, but he didn't let up on the pressure. Because of the effort he exerted, I don't think there was a doubt in anyone's mind that he earned that victory. He just pushed so damn hard, even to the point where you're like, this guy might just fall over. I would have tapped from fatigue in round two. His face was peeling off, but he was still charging in. The dude was all out effort. So Jason, how would you explain Pantoja and this performance? Uh, phew, I mean, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on in my brain just watching what was happening. Um, it, I've said it a thousand times. Rocky is mental masturbation for fighters. It's, it's fantasy, and it's usually embarrassing to discuss on the championship or even the professional level. And the thought that you could eat punches solely, solely on your fucking will to survive, and that's a survivor quote from the eye of the tiger, right? Um, <laughs> it's, that is silly and ignorant. But fuck all if Pantoja didn't literally watch Rocky and then talk about it <laughs> on this pre-fight interview um, and fight 20 minutes with absolutely zero gas in the tank at all while, while headbutting left hooks on his way to a fucking world title. And it was, Sam, it was as beautiful as it was ugly and sophisticated awkwardness that it could only be born from that twisted amalgamation of heart, will, and resolve. And, and here's the last thing I'll say. If you booed that man, seriously, fuck off. Seek therapy because the current you that would boo that effort is a blight on fucking humanity. So you seriously <laughs> need to talk to a psychological professional. Yeah. I was captivated by that fight, not because of the analyst in me or somebody who likes to break down fights, but just as like a person who enjoys movies. It felt like a movie fight. Not only that, it felt like I was watching some kind of story being told right in front of me, right? We've talked about this before, and I don't know when the last time we felt like this, but 
sometimes fights are a story. And that's what it felt like. There was so much history going into this fight. And then the way the fight turned out, right? Just all just effort, just the will to win, and then actually having that pay off. It was absurd and surreal. I think that's the best explanation. It was absolutely surreal and it was absurd. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to say about a man that, that eats those kinds of punches and then calls on more punches and then gets hit with more and then doesn't take a step backwards. Just blast through on a double leg and you're like, oh, that's my fucking boy right there. <laughs> you have to root for him. You have to. And I'm a Moreno guy all day. A note to our listeners. If you love the Southpaw Project, please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on Patreon. This will give you access to exclusive bonus content, like early releases of Southpaw Deep Space Nine, our fictional narrative podcast, Fighters Brew, break-free versions of our shows without interruptions like you're hearing now, bonus articles, Fighters Brew transcripts with extra content, Liberation Martial Arts Online, as well as our private chat group on Discord. You can also make one-time donations at Ko-Fi or show your solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at southpawpod.com. There was even arguments in his corner while he was in the corner, and he wasn't even phased. He didn't even care. He was not even worried about it because he doesn't even care what they're going to tell him. He's not going to listen to any of it at all. He's just going to go out there and just truck through and just try as hard as he can. Yeah, I haven't seen really anything like it because the brain shuts down whenever it, it, it receives too much trauma. But I tell you what, Pantoja's brain didn't get the fucking memo. And he was there all day. And that that had to shock Moreno because Moreno was having a lot of success. And at, for, at, at points, Moreno was, was angling off after some of his shots. But after you hit someone with, with three shots that you think should put them on their fucking back and they're still there, you sort of stare. You sort of get, sort of get caught up in the, the admire, not even by admiring your own work, admiring their ability to eat your work and go, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> I, I hit him with three. Maybe I just throw a couple more. And then it, it, when some of those couple more actually land, he just, once you say, trucks right fucking through into a double leg and almost puts you through the fucking cage panel. Well done, kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't teach that and you wouldn't teach that. But it was brilliant in the way that he just pushed through. And, and we're talking jabs, hooks, stepping elbows, intercepting elbows. It didn't matter it didn't matter what Moreno threw and landed. And I'm, do you recall that? And I forget what round it is. It was the third round or later when Moreno landed a three piece followed by like a right head kick and it, it all fucking landed. And, Pato and Pantosian just like called him on and came blasting back. And you're like, dude, what the fuck is that? You're taking those shots from the world champion. And Moreno is no slouch. His left hook is solid when he puts together punches in combination. Like he threw that left hook to the body and it came right back upstairs. And I'm like, he's, he's, he's investing the body a little bit now too. And that left hook is landing more and more flush as these rounds go on. And it didn't matter. Fuck. And these things always matter. Like that's fighting. And those are the rules of fighting as we know them and we've been taught them. They didn't matter. And when you say that it's surreal, 
Like I'm watching some really great work by Moreno and then him getting just absolutely bulldozed with a double leg for landing some good shit. <laughs> and what are you, you going to put him on his bike and have him like win a jab fest uh, uh, against Pantoja? Like maybe, maybe in retrospect, that might be a better idea. Um, but it was a fun fight and it was a close fight. But, you know, uh, someone just came in who was too game too much heart could scrap through these just like naked uppercuts and these look like a left-handed pitcher sometimes just chucking left hooks over over the top from awkward angles and he's just throwing and throwing as if punches don't seem to hurt him and Pantoja was just taking those strikes like they didn't bother him at all and he was coming back with some real shit of his own so the durability explains a lot of that striking success that Pantoja had but his wrestling seemed just as wild, but he was getting takedowns and getting to the back. Was it one of those situations where it didn't look pretty, but he was doing the simple things right? Or was it, again, also just dogged determination? Well, you brought up the fatigue factor. I can't think of, I would just be like, slow down. The entire fight would be like, pace yourself, slow down. I know they're 25ers and they can really, really push a pace, but that level of wrestling, even the best 100, 100 and when I was in college, it was 118 pounds and 126. And when those guys were good, they still gassed out if they pushed it hard for seven minutes and you're engaged in a ton of scrambles. They did it for, he did it for 25. And the, there were some good underhook series and some good pummeling and some good grappling series for on some defense and even some offense from Moreno. So there was some, some legit wrestling on both sides. And still, you mentioned dogged determination. That's... That's what I see from a, from a man who knew, hey, this guy, I've, beat, I've beaten him twice. I know I can beat him a third if I can just stay in it. And that's exactly what his head and his heart made him do. And uh, the, his punches were awkward. His wrestling was a little bit wild. And wild wrestling is probably the most useless skill when you're tired. It's a... It's it's racing to a fucking red light, man. You are just looking for disaster. And it didn't matter because that last takedown where he ran him through was, was really pretty. And he just kept his legs moving. That's what we pre preach um, in wrestling. Just run those legs, keep those feet moving, run through. Um, so you know, all the credit to, to Pantoja. And I don't want to say like it's some sort of fluke that his heart did it because the ability for the for you to have the focus under that kind of duress to be hit with three and four and sometimes five punches in a row and still have the wherewithal and um, I don't know, just to be conscious in the moment of what you should do in his decision to throw an uppercut after he got blasted with a couple because you got a nice high guard in the outside protected from Moreno. Moreno keeps that guard up and he just blasted him with an uppercut because the middle was open. Well, I think you know there's some game planning and the ability to make those decisions and to adhere to a game plan are born of of conditioning. And I don't know if they planned on him gassing, but if he went from 100 miles per hour to 80, he kept it on cruise control at 78 to 81 <laughs> for the remainder of the fight. And it was a tough thing 
because he's a fucking handful at 81 miles an hour. And it, uh, it just seemed to wear on Moreno as the fight went on. Now you mentioned those long combinations that Moreno was landing on Pantoja. But did those long combinations where he's just blasting and teeing off on Pantoja actually end up biting him in the ass? And that's why he would actually get tied up and eventually taken down? I would say possibly somewhat, but if I would say, hey, we're going to spot your fighter five punches to the face um, <laughs> against his opponent, would you take it? Because he was landing all of those, and some of them were pretty clean. And the problem is, for the majority of the fight in the first couple of rounds, he wasn't overswinging. And then once he couldn't get him out with the, his, his constant connections and his land rate was, was pretty high, um, his connection rate was pretty high. He was starting to overswing a little bit. So yeah, I think it started to bite him in the ass then because he put a little more on it. But even when he put more on it, he was still pretty accurate. But again, it goes to, if there's anyone that deserves to be champion of the world, it's Pantoja at this point. And because game plan or not, if stringing together long combinations was a good idea or a bad, it's a great idea if he knocks him out. Right? It's a bad idea if he gets taken down, even after landing the fifth. But you start to think, well, no one can keep this up. No one can keep this up. But for the better part of 25 minutes, Pantoja kept it up and wrote to, to a world fucking title. Yeah, to your point, right? Any statistician, any mathematician who works in sports would say, when you have that situation, you go for it. If you could hit them five times, hit them five times because nine times out of 10, that'll work, right? So you're just playing the odds. But this was the one time it didn't work. You're exactly right. And as a coach, you're like, oh, God damn it, this guy's still here. And like, that's why I say like, Rocky, the majority of Rocky, the cliches are very real because it's the fight world and like fighters are going to do fighter shit. But to think you can take that kind of beating and still stay there, to think you can take that kind of beating early or gash yourself early and sort of have the the awareness, right, and the composure to make the appropriate decisions, you got to be built differently. And, he, and Pantoja obviously is. Um, and even the post-fight speech was like Rocky, the Rocky Four awkwardness, um, where like he was the English is not his first language, but there was something like deep and meaningful. And when he, when he said, if you knew my story, you would love me. Well, uh, I, the more I, I got caught up in his story, the more I rooted, I was like, if they've robbed this fucking kid, you know, the guy's, guy's got four, four children. He's a grown man. But <laughs> I, I, my concern was that, that like this, Welcome to America, man, where you can do something that is the closest to Rocky that these assholes will certainly ever see in person, and they'll fucking boo you anyway. Yeah, I thought he was going to get finished in round two or three, and then, and then we just saw something we just didn't expect, and then it kept going. The movie kept going, right? We've seen movies before in UFC fights, but then the movie ends. But this one actually went all the way to the credits. 
So I think that was part of the feel of that fight and Pantoja's performance. And Moreno was the perfect person to have that performance against because he's going to hit the shit out of you. <laughs> he is. He is. You know, throw some cool stuff. Um, he wrestles just well enough and his gas tank is fantastic. He's already been in some barn burners. We know what we're going to see. We're going to see. Um, I don't know if anyone um, in 2023 remembers Vision Quest, the movie. Right? Uh, I'm in Brazil now. So there's a, there's a scene where uh, Loudon Swain, the protagonist, the wrestler who's taken on uh, the unbeatable juggernaut that issue, is talking to his buddy who's a cook who he's trying to get to come to, to watch the match. Um, and he talked about tuning into and watching Pele, watching this Brazilian soccer player jump and do a backflip and hit this bicycle kick. And he said that he cried after he saw it that a member of the human race, the same 99% of the same genetic makeup as him, was able to do something so amazing. So whenever you downplay your sporting event, when you say, it's just six minutes, you don't have to be here. He said, it's not about those six minutes. It's, what about, it's about what you do in those six minutes. That makes all the difference. And it's what Pantoja was able to do and endure for 25 minutes. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. And I say, if I say, when I say, if that doesn't make you a fan, then God fucking help you. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to talk <laughs> to you. I don't want to enlighten you. I don't want to coach you. I just need you to steer clear of me. <laughs> That's a good segue. Now let's move on to Robert Whitaker versus Drakus Duplessis for the number one contender spot at 185. The Whitaker, even if he had won, wasn't going to be the contender anyway. It was either going to be DDP or Strickland because neither UFC nor Israel Adesanya were interested in that trilogy fight. Now with that said, on paper, it seemed like it was going to be an easy night for Whitaker. And in my first watch, I thought Whitaker was winning and then he just got caught. But when I watched it again, it seemed like DDP was winning and then he caught Whitaker. Now, DDP is normally an orthodox fighter, but in this fight, he primarily fought Whitaker as a southpaw. And he caught Whitaker with a stiff southpaw jab as Whitaker was lunging in. And in the second round, he rocked Whitaker with that same punch and ended up finishing him. And he said in the post-fight interview that he saw Whitaker was open to that strike from Southpaw, and that's why he chose the Southpaw stance. So Jason, how did DDP get the job done? Uh, it was uh, a combination of being the physically stronger human being in there, um, and the, he had some stink on that Southpaw jab, and it didn't help that um, Whitaker tends to hitch at the hips with his hands low, and he sort of headbutted that punch too. But Whitaker, there were like three or four shots that he got hit with that hurt him in that first round that he just sort of ate, and he still kept doing what he was doing because he was having some success lighting up DDP with the jab and then ducking and looking pretty sweet, making... um an awkward southpaw who's not a natural southpaw miss like that. Um, 
But still, the, some of the punches that DDP was landing, you could tell was a little bit, it got, it got Whitaker's attention. And I'm, I was with you where I watched and like, if he doesn't get hit with that headlock, maybe he's, maybe he wins that round. But then I started, I watched it again. And you could just sort of see what was, what was happening. And it wasn't, it's not a DDP fluke. Um, Whitaker likes to fight with his hands low um, and his chin a little bit up. It lets him do a little more thing, some more things and be a little more dynamic. But there's a, there's a real risk to that. And Duplessis was, was stuck around long enough to, to find his shot and make it happen. And also credit to Duplessis for throwing some kicks whenever he had a chance for, for mixing it up and going to the body even when he had him hurt. If you love the Southpaw Project, become one of our financial supporters. It'll help us supplement the cost of running this project, the incredible time and energy we put into it seven days a week, and you'll be giving us some breathing room, not only to juggle Southpaw with our day jobs, but also to expand Southpaw into other areas. We can't exist without your contributions. Show your Southpaw solidarity by supporting us at southpawpod.com. Yeah, to your point, even when Whitaker blocked some of DDP's punches in round one, it was still knocking off balance. That was the difference in their strikes. When DDP blocked, it just bounced off of his shell, whereas when Whitaker blocked, it would still almost knock him off his feet. So there was definitely a power difference. There's a huge power difference. I think we got to give credit to DDP there. Um, And even a body shot that DDP landed, I'm, I'm not sure if it was in the first or the second, seemed to bother Whitaker a little bit. And Whitaker is always game, and he came back with some shots. But if I remember correctly, he was hitting some pot shots. He hit like a jab hook, bop, 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 bop. And he was just touching a little bit because he seemed to be a little bit, I don't want to say shaken, but the wind was taken out of him from one of those body shots. And you could just sell, tell that He's a big bone. DDP is a big bone, heavy 185er. And sometimes that awkwardness and clumsiness from the southpaw position just. It's a lot easier to time someone who looks like they're supposed to look. And <laughs> I don't think DDP looked great um, from the southpaw position, especially defensively, because he came up high one time and he kept getting tangled up. But you can tell that he's strong. He can eat a shot pretty well, and he can certainly, he can certainly give one. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but once they hit the ground and then DDP was roughing him up, then something changed and he was like, wait a minute, this is a different kind of human being. This is a different kind of strength that I haven't dealt with before. And that also seemed to change Whitaker's demeanor a bit. Yeah. And I was, I wanted to give him shit on the the headlock because I texted you like, uh, I can't believe I'm watching an MMA fight where... Robert Whitaker hits with a junior high headlock. You can't fucking defend it. But, and, I, but, and, and it was strange because DDP's hips were higher than Whitaker's, which you're taught not to do with that. You're tabletop and load them up, bang. Anyway, um, it, nothing seemed to go uh, Whitaker's way, even when he was having success. Even when he was having, like, I think he could have jabbed his way to a victory, but it would have been hard to do that over five rounds and not get caught with something big. And again, you need something pretty impressive if you want to make a, another a push for another title shot. When neither Adesanya or uh, Alt Right Dana White uh, 
aren't backing you at this point. So, um, you know, I like Whitaker. I mean, some of his Jordan Peterson and Tate shit, he can sort of fuck off with the rest of them, but I do like him. He just seems like a likable guy. Um, My own hypocrisy being what it is, if I had to pick between him and DDP, I was going for him all day. Um, But again, I also like fighters that keep their hands up and their chins down. And Whitaker at times looked like looked like he was styling on DDP until he wasn't. You know? and there's only so many of those hard shots you can take. And um, I don't want to jump your point, but you brought, uh, in one of our texts, you brought up predictability. Well, like you said, you and I discussed before, Whitaker, some of these fighters have been at the top for a very long time. So there's a significant body of work, and there's only so many times you can throw a throwaway right hand with a right kick behind it, and everyone go, holy shit, you know? It's been done, and you've done it. And there are highlights of that shit because you've been fucking lacing people with it for years. Um, the guy in front of you is big and strong, and his hands are high, and he's just not waiting there to heavy dip on the outside of your right hand just to get lit up by by your left head or your right head kick. He's blasting you with his straight left hand, or at least he's coming back and he's throwing it hard enough to keep you honest. And even if he is missing, he has you on your heels. And when Whitaker goes on his heels, he comes back. And like I said, he tips and hitches at his hips and his chin's out and his hands are down. And after he got blasted with some of those shots, with the, the shot that hurt him, when he got back to his feet, he still fought that same way. Yeah, I noticed he didn't shell up. What the fuck, man? So are you, is it in your head that you have to be entertaining at this point? Because you're only going to be entertaining for like another 13 seconds. That's because someone else is beating the shit out of you. Get your hands up and recover. When you're, when you're wobbled like that, that typical karate, like everything that is based on reflexes, balance, and timing, you're probably not going to pull off right now, Robert. Hey, kudos to you for thinking that way. And maybe it's the shot that still had him thinking incorrectly, but that's a bit of a fool's errand. And I'd like to think that anyone who's been around the game long enough would be would have the enough awareness, get those hands up, move, circle off, go a little more conventional, and not get hit with anything, getting wild. But hey. Apparently, this is entertainment now, and it's more important to entertain than win. So, again, I digress once more. <laughs> like, but that's what I thought when he was doing. I'm like, can you just put your fucking hands up and circle away a little bit? There's no shame in that. And then his corner could have talked to him about, you know, sticking with the jab, sticking with the jab. But you got to understand, if you're going to try to hit that throwaway right hand, that straight left is there all day um, for for DDP. But that's not even how the the fight the the fight went found him with that jab and you know the rest is history do you think this is also whitaker's habit of mostly being a headhunter coming to bite him in the ass because it seemed like as awkward as ddp was all he had to do to your point right was to keep his hands high and shell up and he would block 99 percent of whitaker's strikes because they're all going to go to the head he was able to just walk through them by covering his head and Whitaker still didn't mix it up too much. I mean, he would throw some of those side kicks to the knee, but even his kicks were to the head. Yes, and Duplessis had a little bit of fuck you in him whenever Robert did land, 
but because of the way he darts in, um, even when when Whitaker did land, anytime he would sort of fade away off balance, DDP would kick him or punch him, even off like bad angles. He's like, "Fuck you! I'm just gonna we're gonna keep fighting." I'm not, he didn't want it. He, I'm sure he wanted it to be prettier, but he didn't care if it wasn't. Like, he was there to find an opportunity, and um, his chin held up because he got touched touched with some stuff. I think he understands he is a heavy, heavy hitter. And uh, when he caught Whitaker with some of those shots, you know, uh, he saw that Whitaker would, you know, he had earned Whitaker's respect a little bit. And rather than f- than fade away, he just continued. If Robert was going to rinse and repeat some of the things he typically has success with, he was just going to keep keep coming back at him. And some of those low kicks, the calf kicks that um, DDP was throwing, like they were fucking smothered at times. But he didn't care. He just kept kept bringing the offense and sort of that sort of thing you need with the ability to eat a shot, but also have your hands in the appropriate position. Um, you know, I would say that Whitaker will be a little bit better served at this point of his career. And this is me just saying it after his loss against DDP. So it's some, some serious Monday morning quarterbacking, um, but some greater diversity so that people can't uh, predict his shit quite so easily and i i've said it before i love a lot of what whitaker does but i also think there's a time and a place for getting your fucking hands up and your chin down and i think the reason why i didn't catch so many of ddp's strikes that landed the first time around but did catch it the second time around is because to your point he was throwing them while he was getting hit right he wasn't going to be like you get a turn i get a turn it's like Every time you hit me, I'm also going to take a turn. So I was just noticing Whitaker hitting him, but didn't realize, oh, actually, in the second watch, while DDP was getting hit, he was kicking him or he was punching back. Yes. Same thing with me, except for this reason. I'm biased as fuck. And um, I was paying a lot of attention to Whitaker's head movement, which was was great. But I'm like, dude, you think just because he missed three times, he's not going to throw another one. Get your fucking hands up. And he didn't. He didn't reset. That comes from, like I said, when I say DDP has a little bit of fuck you in in him. You like that in a fighter. There's sometimes you over respect some of these athletes, some of these fighters, and you think Felder used to do it with Cerrone. And I told him, I'm like, dude, you want to be, you want to be Cerrone's little brother. I think in a year and a half you could big brother Cerrone all fucking day. Get it out of your mind that you're in his shadow and be the motherfucking son. Do that. Do that. And then all these people, all of them are on your level because he's world-class. Come on, man. You know, um, when these guys get a little bit of fuck you to them and usually turn them into fucking monstrous human beings, but they become pretty impressive fighters and surely fun to watch. And I think that's what DDP has a little bit in them. A little bit of fuck you. Doesn't matter who, who is in front of them and what they've done. He'll say it just because he's a little bit of a dick and he knows he's got, you know, he can eat a shot, he can give one. And he's more than prepared to stand there and do it all day. And he probably has that confidence you could only get by being the strongest person you've ever known, right? You've never met somebody in the gym or in a fight that was physically stronger than you. Yeah. He's ignorant of being number two. His lats start at his ass cheeks. And he's built like a fucking, right? He's built like a fucking silverback gorilla. 
And it's like, what would you do if he wants to fight? I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know? I think part of why he looks so awkward is because of his body shape, right? He looks like some kind of like G.I. Joe figure, and it just doesn't look right when he moves. It doesn't. It doesn't. And he's deceivingly fast. Uh, I don't want to say fast. Let's say mobile, right? He moves pretty well. Um, and he... It's hard when you're as big as he is to be able to 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 be to be nimble, and he, yet he was not the one. He was punching from awkward positions, but still maintaining his stance a little bit better. Even though, and I don't know if you notice, he does this thing where Robert moves incredibly well. I like how Robert Whitaker moves, but fuck if DDP doesn't just sort of drag his foot when he's moving in a southpaw stance. Like he drags that left foot like a zombie. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what is that shit, man? Like, why are you zombie walking? And, but he didn't lose his stance quite as often. Um, and he just seemed, I don't want to say more disciplined because I, for someone who comes out of their stance and drops their hands as much as Robert Whitaker, his defense is actually really disciplined. His head is always moving. He's aware. Um, his, vi- his visual acumen and his ability to, to sort of reset, all real impressive. But I think it's just a, a matter of he realized he was a strong guy and if he could maintain position and find it, he was going to fucking find it. Like he had confidence in doing that and that's exactly what he did. What challenges does someone like DDP pose to a champion who's as good as Adesanya? I mean, on paper and visually, I would say it's one of the... One of the biggest mismatches that uh, the 185 pound weight class ever in a world championship Adesanya is a fucking sniper it's an overused term but he has that kind of precision like I said for a skinny guy he can hit really hard Um, but I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he went fucking grade school headlock and just fucking tossed Adesanya because well fuck apparently that's what white supremacy would get you these days I don't fucking know (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I'm I could see DDP landing some shots. It looking like it, it might be trouble for Adesanya, and then two overhand rights later, um, DDP snoring like Alex Bahia was. Um, I also think I wouldn't rule it out that that DDP would make it the the most boring stalling brawl or Wallens whatever shit either, just to like muscle him against the cage and stay there with his forehead in his jaw the entire time. Um, and if he upsets uh, the crowd by being a little bit boring, I don't think that has. Um, so I'm not going to create any more animosity than than him saying he's the most African fighter in the fucking UFC. All right, he's got <laughs> he's got some pretty hard bark on him, and I don't think any that that kind of thing is going to rub him the wrong way. So, um, but I think if he decides to try to sit there and slug it out without a sign, he moves too well. He's too nimble. Too too quick um, and too precise with with his shit, and I'm just hoping that on paper it turns out to be. And I don't even know how to say this because I'm not a, I'm not an Adesanya fan, other than the way he fights. I think he's just a, a, a shithead too. But I'm trying to keep my my bias out of it because he's in between Jordan Peterson quotes and whatever homage he wants to pay to Tate. This is all really awkward to follow most of these guys out outside of the fucking cage. <laughs> all right well that's it for this fight study thank you jason for your analysis as always 
Thank you all for listening. Always a pleasure. If you like this episode and like what we do, support us on Patreon or Substack. We also have the Liberation Martial Arts Program if you want to train with us from wherever you are. You'll find lots of techniques, exercises, theory, pedagogy, and even political theory. You can even get a monthly training session with me, either in person or online, depending on your location. We also have Fighters Brew, which is a manga-inspired martial arts audio series, as well as Fighters Brew transcripts that include martial arts tutorials. You can find Liberation Martial Arts online, along with Fighters Brew, on Patreon and Substack. You can find Southpaw merch at our store. You can find all our links at southpawpod.com. Dot com.